the Philistines was after their harvest. He didn't attack their harvest while the harvest was still in the field. He didn't attack the harvest while the harvest was in the barn. He waited till they got to the threshing floor to attack. Now, why is that significant, Pastor? Uh, because the threshing floor is where you process your harvest. It's a processing plant. Somebody say it's harvest season. See, many of you all are saying, why is the enemy attacking me now? He only attacks in harvest season. It's for many of you all, it's your time to reap your harvest, and he wants to attack you now so that you become distracted and you don't even tend to your field because you're so worried about what he's doing and you're so worried about the attack that you forgot about the blessing of God that it is your harvest season. Manifested Glory Worship Center. Kingdom-focused, kingdom-minded, kingdom living this is the rhema talk podcast and you're listening to pastor damon c johnson founder and senior pastor of manifested glory worship center um i'm gonna i'm gonna do a very good job yesterday i had a chance to meet with some of my leadership team and they told me about myself They say, Pastor, sometimes when you up there, you butcher some of the names in the Bible. And I know I jack them up. But I, I, I'm ready for them today. I ain't going to mess none of these names up. Holler at your boy. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 23. We're going to park right there the whole time. 1 Samuel chapter 23. I'm going to be reading from the New International, I mean from the New Living Translation today because I like the way it, it sets me up in plain English. Uh, if you do not have your Bible, we will definitely have the, the scriptures on the monitors for us. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 23. We're going to be reading verse, verses 1 through 13. Verses 1 through 13. 1 Samuel chapter 23. When you get it, please say, I got it. If you're still turning, say, hold up. Amen. First Samuel is right before Second Samuel. Amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter 23. Again, we're going to park right in these verses here. This is our text for the entire time. Verses 1 through 13. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, and this is what the Bible says in our text. It says, One day news came to David that the Philistines were in Keilah. Holla at your boy. <laughs> Stealing grain from the threshing floor. And David asked the Lord, Shall I go and attack them? Listen to what God said. God said, Yes, go and save Keilah. Then the Lord told him, but David's men said, we are afraid here in Judah. We certainly cannot, we don't want to go down to Keala and um, fight the whole Philistine army. So David asked the Lord again. And again, the Lord replied, go down to Keala and I will help you conquer the Philistines. So David and his men went down to Keala. They slaughtered the Philistines and took all their livestock and rescued the people of Keala. Then, uh, look it up in your Bible. <laughs> I got it right. Amen. No, I hear them saying something like I'm messing up. Now when Abiathar, mm-hmm, 
the son of Ahimelech, call it your boy, fled <laughs> to David at Keala. He brought his ephod with him soon. Saul soon learned that David was in Keala, and he, he said, good, he exclaimed. He said, we'll go down to him. Um, we'll go now. God has handed him over to me. Now listen to what, how David thinks. Just because David there, he thinks God is on his side, on Saul's side. We'll get there in a minute. And so he said he trapped them in a walled town. So Saul mobilizes his entire army. He marched down to Keala and besieged David, to besiege David and his men. But David learned that Saul planned, and he told Abiathar, uh, the priest, to bring the ephod, and he asked the Lord, uh, what shall I do? Then David prayed, O Lord God of Israel, I have heard that Saul is planning to come to destroy Keala uh, because I am here. Will the leaders of Kilala betray me to him? Betray me to him? And will Saul actually come as he has, as I've heard? And the Lord said, the God of Israel told me, he said, and the Lord said to me, he will come. Huh. Again, Acts, well, will the leaders of Kilala betray me um, and my men to Saul? And the Lord replied, yes, they will betray you. So David and his men, about 600 of them, left Kilala and began roaming the countryside. Word soon got to Saul that David had escaped, so he did not go down to Keala after all. And my sermon title today is Betrayed But Blessed. Betrayed But Blessed. The context of our whole text. Let me, let me give you the backdrop. Let me tell you what's going on in chapter 22. In chapter 22 of our text, David is, he's on the run from his father-in-law, Saul. You understand this whole relationship between him and Saul. You know, this is the same Saul that David had to, when he went to the battlefield, David fought Goliath on behalf of Israel. And remember what David's reward was for fighting Goliath. He was to get the king's daughter, He's supposed to get some money and be tax-free, him and his family, for the rest of their lives. So, so David became a mighty warrior. He actually became the captain of Saul's bodyguard. He was like his secret service leader. And Saul was crazy. You know, he was dealing with that demonic spirit. One minute he cool, next minute he wilding out. Y'all might know some Dave, uh, Saul's. You don't know who you're going to walk into. You, you, just, you just sitting there trying to figure out, who in the world am I going to get today? That's how Saul was. Well, I mean, he's like, oh, David, I love you. Next minute, he's throwing a spear at Saul. I mean, at David. Saul was crazy. So he thought that Saul, he thought that David was after his throne. He thought that David was after him. So he started pursuing David. So in, a, in chapter 22, David is hiding out in a cave in a town called Dullam. And, and he's there, and he's in a cave with his men. And people start coming to the cave. They found out David there. They start following David. So much so, David was able to assemble an army of 400 men while they was in this cave. But then the, the prophet Gad came to David and said, hey, man, it's time for you to get out of this cave. You got to leave. And so he had to leave the cave. That's a prophetic word for somebody in here today. It's time for you to get out your cave. Hiding out from the enemy. I'm safe in this cave. Listen, God, listen, you gotta understand that God has your back. God's not gonna let some enemy destroy you. He, he's, he, he's your father, and understand he's gonna protect his children. He, God sent a word to the man of God in a cave and said, it's time for you to leave this cave. 
See, see, here's the thing. When, you'll never see a caterpillar stay in his cocoon. He's in there for a season, but then he's called out. But when he comes out, he comes out in a different thing. He's a butterfly now. And God has called you out of your cocoon. It's time for you to get out of your cave. Let's get back to our text. So, so David's now in the forest. He's, he's with his men. But then he wanted to take care of his parents. So he took his family down. He took his parents down to Moab. He went to the king of Moab and said, I need you to look out for my people. And that sounds a little crazy. Why would David be dealing with the, the, the Moab people? You got to remember David's family line. His grandmother's name was Ruth. And Ruth was a Moabitess. She was from Moab. And, and so he had connections with the king of Moab because that's where his grandmama came from. Okay, and so he went down there and said, check this out. I need you to look out for my people. So he made sure his mom and Jesse was cool. And then he said, all right, let me go out here. Now we're in our text. Look at verse one of our text. David heard that the Philistines were attacking the city of Keala. Now understand that this city names means a fortress. It was a fortified place. And understand, see, that's what the enemy wants you to think. Just because he, he thinks that he wants you to be scared in your fortified place. He, he, now, understand the church is our fortified place. It's our place of safety. He wants you to be scared even in here. He wants you to be scared in the church. Oh, I can't trust him. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. What do you mean you can't trust them? Who are you going to trust? Ghostbusters? I, it was just on this weekend. That's the only reason I said it. I just saw it this past weekend. People, people, people will put their trust in anything. And so, and so he, 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 they were in a fortified place. And because it was in this fortified place, they, he, he, the enemy came and attacked a fortified place. Don't think the enemy won't come attack the church. He will. He has. He is. But this is the thing that, that messed me up. He came to attack the city when, but look what it says, he came and attacked the grain at their threshing floors. He didn't attack, he, now understand what he was after. He was after their harvest. The Philistines was after their harvest. He didn't attack their harvest while the harvest was still in the field. He didn't attack the harvest while the harvest was in the barn. He waited till they got to the threshing floor to attack. Now why is that significant, Pastor? Uh, because the threshing floor is where you process your harvest. It's the processing plant. Somebody say it's harvest season. See, many of you all are saying, why is the enemy attacking me now? He only attacks in harvest season. It's for many of you all, it's your time to reap your harvest, and he wants to attack you now so that you become distracted and you don't even tend to your field. Because you're so worried about what he's doing. And you so worry about the attack that you forgot about the blessing of God that it is your harvest season. He waited till they got to the threshing floor to attack it. Now understand what happens at the threshing floor. At the threshing floor is where they separate the wheat from the terror. It's also where they have to, where they have to separate things. It's a place of separation. Can I talk about your threshing floor? See, the threshing floor is the place where you keep the things that you need and you discard what you don't need. Mm-hmm. Do, do me a favor. Can, can I give you a sidebar? Don't keep what you can't eat. Uh-huh. 
don't keep what you can't eat. See, a lot of times we're, we're gathering stuff from our barn and we're gathering our harvest. And along with that wheat, it's a whole bunch of stuff that we ain't supposed to keep with us. And, and the wheat is what we're supposed to be eating. See, and what I mean by eat, so there's some things that you're keeping around that you can't, that you can't even stomach. That's things that you're keeping around you that is going to make you actually sick if you partake in it, but you keep it around you because it grew up with your weed. And you think that's a part of your harvest. No, it's there to destroy your harvest. That's what the tarot do. It tries to choke your harvest. And so you have to be on that threshing floor, this place of separation. And so sometimes it's hard, church, but at the threshing floor, you got to figure out who's with me and who's, who's not with me. At the threshing floor, you got to say, who's going who's gonna to sit in the car or who's going to help me push this bad boy? The threshing floor. See, the threshing floor, let me tell you the process. This is what they would do. They would take, the, they would take their harvest and they would say, okay, this is wheat. This is in this pile. This is tarot. This is in this pile. But that wasn't the end. Once they separate the wheat from the tarot, then they would have to then take the wheat and they would have to beat it. They will beat the wheat, and then what will happen is they will put it in a sifting, uh, like, bowl type deal, and they will throw it in the air. Now, whatever stayed on the bottom, you kept because that was your wheat. What was on top of the wheat was what they called chafe, and the chafe would fly away because it was, it was light and it was useless. And so, and so in the harvest time, things will be beaten. And don't worry about it because when you lift it in the air, the things that stay should remain. Because that's the weighty things. That's the things that's supposed to be there. But what flies away is useless in the first place. Let it fly away. That's what happens on a threshing floor. So, 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 so the enemy did not attack when the wheat still had all the stuff. He waited till the harvest was ready. And that's when the Philistines came in. And for many of you are, you have already been going through the process of the threshing floor. You've been weeding out what you don't need. You've been keeping what you're supposed to have. And now here comes the enemy. Because he's after your wheat. He's after the weighty things that, you, that you've processed, that you labored for. He's after that. Understand, he was going to wait till you got done your process. Then he's going to attack. He attacked at the threshing floor. And so, church, I need you to be careful about what you keep and what you don't keep in your harvest. Because understand, just like you planting seed, the enemy is also dropping in your field and planting his seed. And that seed is growing up with your seed. And that's why you got to wait to harvest. Sometimes you got to let it grow together because you got to determine which one is which. And see, that's why, that's why I'm not... I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, Quick, when people come to me, oh, Pastor, you know, I can do, I can, mm-hmm. Sit there a while. Plant yourself for a while. I got to see you grow a little bit. Because I got to determine if you're wheat. They're going to grow up together. But when it's harvest time, then we'll determine what's what. Once, once, and listen, once the wheat has been beaten a little bit, and it still remains, then that's the ones you keep. The chain's gonna fly away in the wind because it's light and it's useless. Is y'all, y'all all right? We didn't even get to the text yet. I'm just, I'm just in what, verse two, one? What am I? Verse one. I gotta get down to 13. Y'all be all right. Okay. 
So understand that this is the place of separation. This is the point where the enemy will attack. Now, this is the thing that messed me up. Everybody heard the news that the Philistines had attacked, and David is the only one that said, I'll go. Saul is king. He didn't even go. These are his people. Saul heard about it. See, Saul was more worried about getting David than protecting his people. Can I talk about church leadership for a minute? Yeah. See, a real leader cares about the people and is willing to put their own agenda aside for sake of the people. See, you can't want big crowds and hate people. You want to fill your church, but you can't shake nobody's hand after church. They can't even come say hi to you without going through an army of bodyguards. Life is more than accumulating titles and money. That's why, you know, that's why every once in a while I, I go back to those old hymns to, hymns to remind myself. There's an old hymn say, if I can help somebody. Along, along the, path, this, the past, as we pass this way, this journey, he says, then my living won't be in vain. And that's what life should be about, helping somebody. It ain't about me collecting money and titles. Titles don't mean nothing. And you know, I can, I can always tell where a, a leader is in a church if I don't call them by their right name. If I make a mistake. If I don't call you apostle, then I'm, within, I'm in sin. If I don't address you as Archbishop Grand Poobah, your grace, your eminence. Yeah. Overseer, grand whatever you are. I don't know when a pastor got played out. You understand? Can, can I talk about this for a moment? See, see, we, we got it twisted in the church now because people are so more concerned about their title than the people they're supposed to serve. They're so worried about the title than the task that's attached to the title. Now, here, here it is. If, if I'm a pastor, you understand the role of the pastor. The pastor is, is married to the local church. I'm assigned to you. Now, God may give me a voice to the nations, and I may go preach out of the church, but my, my main assignment is to you. Now, if I'm a bishop, that means I have other churches that are under my leadership, is under my covering, that I'm tending to. Now, let me tell you something. I've, I've only been pastor for five years. I ever asked you, could you please be my bishop? Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm going to be your bishop, brother. I'm, I'm still learning too. <laughs> See, here's my thing. You got to earn things now. Yeah. You know, I could go online and, and pay $75 to become a bishop. Yeah. Get y'all to buy me some, some robes and some vestments, and I'll be a, I'll be a bishop. <laughs> Get y'all to buy me a ring. You need a ring to be a bishop. You need a cross to put in my pocket. <laughs> I'm serious. I think I'm not making this up. <laughs> but then we have phases, you know, at one time everybody wanted to be a bishop. Then you have a, a slew full of bishops and then that got played out. Then everybody wanted to be the prophets or prophetess. Now everybody want to be apostles. How you apostle? You were in front of storefront church. You got 12 members, but you were an apostle. I must be preaching good then. You understand what apostles' jobs were. 
the apostle was assigned to the nations. What apostles would do, what Paul and, and all those guys did, Matthew, they would go into a region. They would come to Baltimore and say, all right, we're going to establish church in Baltimore. John, you're a pastor. Luke, you're a pastor. Here's your congregation. I'm out. If you need me, I'm going to write you a letter. They would roll out, go to the next city. Ain't that what Paul did? All those letters we read in the Bible, that's too. He was an apostle. He went, he established church, he laid people there, Timothy and all the rest of them, and he rolled out. You can't be an apostle and you in the local church with 10 people every Sunday. Who are you planting, sir, ma'am? Come on now. But people are so big on titles. And, and this, is what, this was Saul's problem. He was more concerned about being king than who he was assigned to as king. He had his people being attacked by their enemy, and he did absolutely nothing. Here's David, who's not king, and he said, I'll go. And here's the thing I learned about the church. Just because I call you that don't mean that's what you are. I can call you apostle, but it don't mean you're acting as one. So they get caught up on titles, church. Please don't get caught up on that. I would rather you just do the work. Just do the work. And guess what? The title will catch up with you. Just, just put your hand to the plow and get the work done. All right, let me get, all right, let me get back to my text. Y'all know I, I get passionate about that kind of stuff because I'm tired, y'all. And, 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 and church, we, 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 we got to do it the right way. We're here to serve people, the people of God. And understand, listen, it's not about y'all serving me. It's about me serving y'all. I don't need nobody. I, I can listen. I, I can take care of him. I got my wife to take care of me. Amen. And I love y'all, and I love everything you do for me. But understand, it's not. And, and I thank God for this month because it's good to be appreciated. I appreciate you appreciating me. But we're not going to have a service every month and every, every other weekend to, for, for the pastor. Because now it becomes about me. All right, come on, y'all. All right, let's, let, let's get back to David and Saul. So Saul is the king by name only because he ain't willing to go fight for his people. But here come David. David said, we ain't going to have this. We, we, I'm going to go in there and fight. But David's men wasn't trying to go with him. Look at verse 3. But David's men said, we're afraid, even here in Judah. Now you understand, they were in Judah. And they knew Saul was coming to Judah and said, look, we scared here. We ain't trying to go to over there where he is. <laughs> look what they said. We certainly don't want to go down to Giala to fight the whole Philistine army. We ain't trying to go down there. And besides, David, you got warrants. You, do, you realize that, right? Saul had it out for David. If you get him, let me know. Now you out leading, you running around there riding dirty. And so what happens if they catch you, David? These men had a point. But guess what? They, they went with their leader. They said, David, you know what? Even though you, you got warrants and even though Saul's coming to get you, we ride or die with you, brother. We're going to go down there with you. So David was smart. David said, before I go, let me go pray. I want to help them, but I want to make sure it's God's will for me to help them. Okay? So David prayed. David said, uh, 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 God, 
am I supposed to go down there? God said, yes. But see, here's the thing that David had too. David had something that some of his men didn't have. Uh, when you have a vision, um, sometimes people are not willing to go with you. Because where you see potential, others see problems. But David said, yo, y'all got to trust me on this one. I understand where we're going. And, and it may not look good, but trust me, God's going to have us when we get there. Listen, listen, I thank God for my team. When we, when we left Lord Baltimore and we were looking for a building, when Minister Brian found this building for us, I walked and said, yeah, this is it. They looked around and said, you serious? <laughs> I mean, y'all, if those been around for a long time, y'all know what this building like before we moved in here. Yeah, I'll take you on the other side, you want to know what this, this side looked like. Sure. Struggle was real, real. Yeah. But you got to have a vision. And that's the thing I love about the people of God. They say, all right, Pastor, if you believe it, we believe it with you. We may not see it, but we'll believe it with you. I said, well, bless the Lord. That's all I need to do is just hold me down, hold my arms up. God bless us with 20,000 square feet. We haven't even touched, you haven't even touched half of it yet. Wait till we get, I'll get into that later. Amen. So, so understand you have to have a vision. So David said, you know what? All right, God, I heard you. You said yes. David prayed again. Uh, uh, and, and he said yes again. And here's the thing, church. Let me give you a, a word. Sometimes you got to fight scared. Yeah. See, sometimes, I know I told on not having fear, but sometimes fear will sink in. What you going to do? Yeah. You going to go back in your cave? No, it's time to fight. You got to fight scared. I don't know about y'all. When y'all was growing up, you ever had to fight somebody that was a little bit bigger than you? I remember when I was in fifth grade, I had to fight this boy. Everybody was scared of him. And he going to come talk smack to me. Now, I couldn't be no chump. So I said, all right, at the school, we're going to meet on the, on the playground. My heart was just a beating the fast. And all my friends were like, yo, you going to really fight him? I said, yeah, I ain't scared of him. I'm scared the whole time. We got on that playground. I mean, it felt, it felt like the whole school was there. Probably just my class, but it felt like something real deep was going on. And I'm standing there. I'm like, come on, man. And first of all, you know how we did. We walked in a circle for a half hour. We did like this for a half hour. No, you hit first. No, you hit first. No, you hit first. No, you hit first. You hit first. No, you hit first. We did that for a half hour. And then he finally pushed me. And then it was on and popping. I was like, yo, I got to fight him scared. And I just went at him. And you know what? He was a chump. He just was big. I hit him a couple times. He started crying. I said, oh, I got him now. <laughs> pop, pop, pop. I lit him up a couple more times. Pop. He's like, all right, stop. Next day I went to school, I was walking around like, yeah. People pumped me up like, oh, he did that. Like, yeah, man. But I fought him scared. But I had to fight him. Some battles you got to fight scared. Because guess what? You got to realize that God's going to let you win. Because remember, he said he's going he gonna to let you win. He's going to be with you in the battle. You just got to go in there with your dukes up. And so, so these men had to go fight these Philistines, these Philistines scared. So they get there, and um, he had to fight them scared. But understand that faith is not the absence of fear, but the presence of obedience. So you got to do what God said do. 
God, he asked God twice, God, should I go? He said, God said, yes, twice. So he had to go. Whether he was scared or not, you got to go. Right? Uh, look, at, look, look, at, look at verse 5. Verse 5. So David and his men, they went down and they slaughtered the Philistines and they took all their livestock and they rescued the people of Keala. Now, everything is good. Saul, Saul, far away, David got the people saved. He took their livestock. Everything is good. Then Saul gets the word that what David did. And now he's mad. Understand, church, there's going to be two types of people that's going to hear about what you have done. Those who will like you and those who will hate you. And you can't control either one. You just got to do what God has called you to do. Let, 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 let God be God and let his enemies be scattered. You can't be concerned about who's going to hate on you. Haters going to hate. That's their job. And so he said, all right, cool. So Saul said, I'm going to go down there. And listen to what Saul said. God, he said, God must be on my side because he's now trapped David for me. Did you see how delusional he was? He thought that God did this for him to help him get David. He said, I'm going to go down here and I'm going to besiege the city. But this is what he said. He said, I'm going to make the people give him up. The people he just saved, I'm going to make them give him up. So, so David went to God. David said, uh, God, is Saul really going to come after me? God said, yeah, he coming. Look, look at verse 11 and 12. Put that up there for me, 11 and 12. He said, will the leaders betray me? Saul, and will Saul actually come as I've heard? He said, oh Lord, oh God of Israel, please tell me. And the Lord said, he will come. Talking about Saul. Go to verse 12. David asked again, will the leaders of Kilala betray me? And will the men, um, and my men to Saul? And the Lord said, yes, they will betray you. Now, this is the part that messed me up. God, I asked you twice, should I go? And so you sent me to people that's going to betray me. You sent me to help people that's going to stab me in the back. Why would you send me, God, to go through this treatment? Why would you send me to people you knew was going to stab me in the back? Ain't like I didn't ask you, God. As a matter of fact, I asked you twice. And you said, yes, go. And I went. And you sent me to people that was going to betray me. That sounds awfully familiar. Because God left his throne to come down to save a people that will betray him. And he still came out of obedience. And sometimes, church, God will send you to those that will misuse you. Sometimes he will put you in a circle of those that's going to stab you in the back. Jesus had Judas with him the whole time. In his circle, his inner circle, the whole time, it sold him out for chicken change. Sometimes, church, you're going to be betrayed. But understand, betrayal has babies. Let me tell you about betrayal's baby. Uh, go, go back to, um, I, I want to show you something here. 
what, what verse I want to go to? Go to the verse that said the, um, the cattle, where they took the lives. Verse 5. Let me show y'all something here. So David and his men went. Look what happened here. And they slaughtered the Philistines, and they took all their livestock and rescued the people. Let me help you here. When God sent you there, you, think, you thought God sent you there to help them. God sent them there to bless you. He left there with all their livestock. Keep my son. This David and all his men. You know what livestock mean? Money. That's how, that was their wealth. They walking out the city like this. Come on, Elsie. The whole time you think God said you, I'm going there to help them. No, no, that's just a byproduct. God sent you there to, to bless your life. Wow. Now I want to show you something because in verse, in, in the previous chapter, David had, when I tell you he was in the cave, how many men I Saul never came. Saul found out that David left, so he never even bothered. So listen, everybody won. The people got free. David got paid. Got more men, and Saul left him alone. But understand, God set him up so he could be blessed. So church, don't get mad when people start betraying you. God has a back door, and it's called bounty. He'll use that same situation to bless your life. The same, the same place. Now understand, David, didn't, David could have said, all right, y'all, I captured all these, uh, these, these this cattle, and this is all for you. He said, no, nah, this is going with me. He walked out there, listen, with all of the Philistine, the whole, you understand, the whole Philistine army went and he left out with all of their stuff. So understand that just because you go in one way, you're going to leave out another way. Don't, and so, so a couple of things, church, and I'm going to get out your way. Number one, understand that if you're under attack, it's probably because you're at your threshing floor. It's probably your harvest season, and it's time for you to stop focusing on the enemy, what he's trying to do, and keep dealing with your harvest. Separate what needs to be separated. Remove what needs to be removed. Keep what needs to be kept. And when you get done doing that, and when the enemy comes, know that God's going to send a David. God's going to send you a David, and David's going to come and say, I got your back. Oh, you might be David. <laughs> you might be David. God's going to send. He's going to send you that. God, should I go? Yeah, you need to go. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> well, they going to betray me. Don't worry about it. I'm going to send you out there with wealth. David walked out with 200 more men and more money when he went in the situation. And his, listen, his desire was just to go and help them. He didn't even go there to get no money. He didn't go there to get nobody. He just went there to be obedient to God's word and look what he came out with. Church, don't be mad just because you're betrayed because understand you will also be Bless. Come on, stand on your feet. Thank you for listening to the Rama Talk podcast. To hear this sermon again or get caught up with past sermons, you can download the Mixed Cloud app and search Manifested Glory. 
Or you can search for MGWC's Rhema Talk Podcast in the iTunes store on your iPhone or iPad. Also, don't forget to like MGWC on Facebook and go to MGWC.net to get caught up on all the latest church announcements. Thank you for listening to the Rhema Talk Podcast, and we hope you will join us next time.